Thank you, Pat. Would you like to turn to Matthew 28? Matthew 28, which is what uh, Pat was reading just now. So this Easter day, we'll be reading from Matthew 28, verse 1. Jesus has risen. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Well, keep that passage open if you've got a Bible or we'll have it up on the screen at different points. But let's pray together as we start. Lord, thank you so much for your living word that speaks to us, that reveals all things to us that we need to know for life, righteousness, salvation and faith in you. We ask, Lord, as we look at this wonderful account of the Easter story, that you, Lord, the risen Lord Jesus, would draw alongside us and speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Why? do we have more hope as Christians? Why is Christianity better news than anything else on offer in the entire world? All other worldviews, philosophies, religions, anything going. Why do we have more hope? Because the founder of our faith, our Lord, is still able to say greetings to us today. When these two women went uh, to the grave to change the wrappings on Jesus' body, we read and we saw demonstrated here this morning in our amazing drama, uh, <laughs> we saw that they encountered the risen Jesus Christ who, and I love this, that's why I wanted to focus on this one word, who simply says, Greetings. Isn't that amazing? Someone who was dead, 
met them in their grief just three days later. They'd seen him crucified. They'd seen him dead. They'd seen him buried. And yet here they are, seeing and meeting him face to face yet again, hearing him say, greetings. Hi. Isn't that good news? Let me explain why I think it's good news, and we should be a bit more excited than that. Simply because dead people cannot say hi. Can they? Much as we would long and wish that they could. Perhaps you've lost someone you love recently. Perhaps you know someone who's, who's ill, who's contemplating the end of their life. And we all, at different times, come face to face with that reality. That there will come a day when people in our own lives, people whom we know and love, we won't be able to meet with anymore. We won't be able to talk with anymore. We won't be able to hear them say, greetings, hi, anymore. And in this word, this morning I feel is encapsulated the entire hope and message of Christianity. That it is a message of life. It is a message of resurrection. And it is a message of hope. You might say, Pat, this is crazy. This whole faith thing is crazy. I mean, how can you claim this? How can you believe that this is true? And I just want to dwell for a few minutes um, this morning as we reflect on this Easter story, on why I believe it's true. I didn't always believe it's true. I came to faith aged 18 from a, a household where we, we didn't go to church, we didn't have much faith, didn't really talk about these things. But I suddenly started having bigger questions about life. What are we doing here? Where do we come from? What happens when we die? Is there a God? Is there a creator? Can we know him? Is there hope, meaning? purpose and as I began to explore this a great friend of mine started taking me to church and Christian Union um, whilst I was at school in my last year then he took me on a camp in the Easter holidays and it was there that I heard a talk that changed my life and it might just I pray change your life too this morning it was a short talk explaining the evidence for the empty tomb because faith, believe it or not, is not just a blind leap in the dark. It is a step of faith based on good evidence. And the evidence is this. Jesus really was dead, but history records an empty tomb. No one ever found the body of Jesus. People have tried to explain what happened to his body. So people logically and Perhaps this is you. Certainly people in our wider society would say, well, his disciples must have nicked the body, okay? They loved him. They wanted him to sort of, they wanted to start this religion. So maybe they went and nicked the body. But what you need to bear in mind from the other gospel accounts, we know that uh, Herod and Pilate and the powers that be said, go and set a guard over this tomb. So we didn't have enough guards to play the parts this morning. Um, but there would have been many Roman guards, temple guards, watching this site. Because Jesus in his life claimed and prophesied, as the angel said, remember that he told you he would rise again and you would see him. 
Jesus predicted this. So they were like, look, just go and put some soldiers on, on the uh, tomb to make sure none of this nonsense happens, to make sure Jesus stays dead and buried. So it was guarded. Plus the disciples, I don't know if you remember, if you're familiar with, with uh, the Bible story, but what do we know about them? Well, we know when Jesus gets arrested, they melt away, don't they? They flee into the woods and into their own homes. They don't want it to happen to them. This is their master, their Lord, the one they think is the king, the Messiah. And they're like, this is all going horribly wrong. Peter draws close, trying to see what happens when he gets accused of being one of Jesus' followers. Do you know what he does? He denies Jesus, doesn't he? Three times, out of fear for his own life, his own safety. These are the kind of guys we're talking about. This is their mindset at that time. They were not on a mission to go and rescue the body of Jesus. Let's go and fight the Roman Praetorian Guard. I mean, that was not their mindset, right? They were hiding. They thought it was game over. They were psychologically busted. So the argument that it was the disciples is crazy. It doesn't hold water. And the tomb was guarded, remember. Other people say, well, maybe Jesus wasn't actually dead. Some people like this. They're like, maybe despite being scourged and flogged, which took the whole of the skin and flesh and muscle off his back with a whip with bits of metal and bone in the thongs that would tear off a man's back. Many people died from just the flogging. He then carried his cross, was nailed to it, hung there in the Middle Eastern heat for several hours until he died of suffocation under his own body weight. But some people say, well, maybe he wasn't actually dead. Maybe he played dead. Mm. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Romans were good at quite a few things. One of the things that they were very good at was killing people. <laughs> Do you know that? You read it? Any history? They invented crucifixion, a very effective means of killing their enemies, killing criminals. Friends, Jesus was dead. We know this. The Bible, it says the soldier reached up and thrust a spear into his side. Do you know what it says? Came forth a flow of blood and water, which they didn't know at the time, but medical science has gone on to show happens when someone dies, we have in our blood a separation of the clot and the serum, the clot and the serum in our blood. And it looks like a flow of blood and water. This was medical proof even at the time that Jesus really was dead. Plus he got laid in a tomb with a one-ton, two-ton stone that needed to be rolled in front of the tomb. So the suggestion that somehow he revived in the cool of the tomb, forgot about the crucifixion, forgot about his back flesh that was no longer there, forgot about the agony, somehow rolled the stone away, somehow dodged and evaded all the soldiers. And that would have been like, they think, Probably conservatively, there were 16 soldiers guarding it in guards, watches of four on three, three or four hours each time. So somehow Jesus avoided them and ran into the long grass and has never been seen since. So that argument doesn't really add up. Others say, well, maybe the authorities stole the body, but come on, guys. The authorities were the very ones who wanted Jesus dead and buried, right? They wanted him forgotten about. Why would they have gone and nicked his body to spawn some rumor that Jesus had actually risen and produce what came to be? Plus, 
when his disciples began to preach, he's risen from the dead. When these disciples began to be transformed by their experience of the risen Jesus and go out proclaiming, Jesus is king. He really is. He's alive. When they went to prison, when they were persecuted, when they were flogged, stoned, whipped, when they were tortured, even martyred for their faith, they went there because they knew it was true. But they started this faith, this movement. And if the authorities had the body, they would have just taken the physical body of Jesus, thrown him down in the marketplace and said, there he is, get on with your lives. Get on with worshipping Yahweh, the one true God. Forget about this imposter, right? So that argument, and I'm 18 years old, I'm hearing this, perhaps you're hearing it for the first time today, and I'm hearing this thinking, ooh, this is interesting. So where was the body? It wasn't robbers. They left the only thing of value in there, the grave clothes, which had all the spices. I haven't even spoken about the robbers. Some say, well, maybe robbers, grave diggers came. Anyone visited ancient Egypt before? You know, the tombs of the pharaohs. Anything that has worth gets dug up, gets stolen. Apart from Tutankhamun, they didn't find his tomb. And then we see what gets discovered last century. Well, Jesus' body was wrapped in expensive spices. So the, the argument that robbers nicked the body, remember the soldiers? They'd need to get past them. And they left the only thing of value. So terrible robbers, right? I mean, you had one job, robber. And you walked off with a carcass. Guys, do you see what I'm saying? It's crazy. The linen strips that we read in our passage today. Rachel, could we have that verse up? The, the last one. Um, oh, I didn't go long enough. Sorry, it's a different reading. <laughs> but you know from other gospel readings that the linen strips are still there. That Peter and John run to the tomb. They look in and they see the strips. And that's why I wanted Ollie to wrap Joe's face and head. Because there's a very specific bit that says that the wrap that had been around Jesus' head was folded neatly and put in a different place. As if the physical body of Jesus had somehow come out like a, butter, like a butterfly from a chrysalis. He just passed through the other linen strips but his head, he can do supernatural things. This is part of the witness of that gospel reading, that it is supernatural. An angel came down from heaven. Guys, this stuff doesn't happen in our normal experience, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. We live in a crazy world. You are a miracle. Did you know that? Your physical body, you've got enough DNA. If, if stretched one end, you know, strand one end on the other, it goes to Pluto or something about five times and back. Do you know those stats? Great, I love those stats. What a miracle each one of us is. Here we are, sitting on a chair in a building in Notting Hill, thinking about what we're going to have for lunch. We're spinning on a rock around the sun. Isn't that ridiculous? Life is ridiculous. Life is a miracle. It doesn't take too much to then believe in the God, the creator of it all, moving in ways and having powers that we don't know much about. And yeah, he's invisible. So what? Lots of things are invisible. Electricity is invisible, as far as I can work out. And yet, we're not sitting here in the dark. We have a supernatural faith. Where was I? No idea. 
but we're sharing how rational, how reasonable this faith is that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Add to that his fulfillment of prophecy. Do you know that in his lifetime, Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies? I'm going to share this, shared this a couple of weeks ago, but there's a lot of new faces today. But mathematicians have worked out that if Jesus had fulfilled just eight of the very specific prophecies about his life, like where he was born, that it would be a virgin birth, that he would be betrayed, that he would be crucified, his hands and feet would be pierced, that he'd be laid in a rich man's tomb. If he'd fulfilled just eight of those prophecies, the likelihood and chances of that, and this is maths, okay, this is science, it's the same probability as if the whole state of Texas, do we have any Texans here today? It's a vast place. It's like a different world over there. Okay, the whole state of Texas, it's, Texas is 2.8 times the size of the UK. Get your head around that. So from here to Scotland, and then another two versions of that. It's as if that whole state was covered in two feet, two feet's worth of 50p pieces. Are you tracking with me? And imagine I had initialed, I'd signed one of those 50p pieces, one of them, in two feet's worth across the whole state of Texas. I went and just chucked it in or buried it somewhere in that vast landmass. The chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight prophecies are the same chances as me then inviting a blind man to head out into the state of Texas and in his very first go, bend down and pick up the coin that I'd signed. Does that make sense? Isn't that mental? That's the probability of Jesus just fulfilling eight prophecies. He fulfilled 300. People hundreds of years before he was born saying this guy's gonna come and he's gonna do this and he's gonna die for the sins of the world but he's gonna rise again. The resurrection is prophesied. All of this, friends, is prophesied. Then his teaching his miracles, his life, how he lived, how he welcomed all, how he was, has anyone more loving ever walked the earth? No. And yet today, what we remember today as I come into land is that Easter tells us that he was more than just a man, more than just a prophet, more than just a good religious teacher. He was and is the son of God. Amen, Phoebes. <laughs> he is God the Son. And he is risen from the dead. And he can say greetings to you and me today. Friends, that, that's the data. Those are the, the facts. Those are the claims. And I'd say the proof, the evidence. On the back of that, I went to my room that night, I was blown away. I was like, I think this is true. And long story short, I reached out to God and said, God, I think you're there, but I want you in my life, I don't know you. And God came into my life. Jesus walked into my life by his spirit. And he said, greetings, Pat. Hi, I'm here, and I always will be. And he can do the same for you today. Faith isn't crazy. Faith is reasonable. And it's based 
on history. And it's based on the event that happened today, 2,000 years ago, that history records an empty tomb. And that can lead to lots of different responses. You see the women, they left there having chatted with Jesus and he says, go and tell my disciples that I've risen and that they'll meet me in Jerusalem. And it says that they hurried away from there, doesn't it? What's, what's the verse say, guys? Let's get that up. Just before that. Mm. Mm. No. Um, does it have it? No, maybe it doesn't. It's after verse 10. Sorry, I messed up the reading this morning. I, I didn't give them enough verses. I think it's verse 11, but it says, the, verse 8, there it is. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, no, no, yet filled with joy. Friends, this news, I don't know what God's doing in you, how he's speaking to you this morning, this, but it might hit you like a ton of bricks. The veil might be being lifted like it was for me. Your eyes might be being opened like, my gosh, I think this is true. And that can lead to two responses. It can lead to us feeling afraid. Afraid of what that means. Of what that means for our lives. Of what that means we need to do. Of what that means if we believe this and live this, of how others will respond to us. These people were afraid because they knew that this truth would be opposed that the Jewish leaders, that the Romans wouldn't like it, that they would indeed be persecuted, arrested, even tortured and killed for this faith, which happened to all the disciples, who at no point said, yeah, we've made it up. Jesus is buried in, you know, Peter's back garden. They didn't do that because they knew it was true. And... That faith, that truth, is available to you and me today. But it can lead to the same fear in a world that rejects Christ, that rejects faith. What might it mean? But more than that, friends, what I want to leave us with this morning, it leads to unparalleled joy. What are you looking for in life? Why are you here? What's it all about? The Christian claim is that we can make sense of none of those questions, none of those things, until we come to the creator of it all. The God who made it all, the God who made you and me, and who loves us, and who sent his son to bring us home, to bring us into relationship with himself, the one who is alive today and can say, greetings, hey guys. I want to be in your life, if you'll let me. And when we say yes, with all of the worries or fears we might have, like these women, we get unparalleled joy. Because we know, yes, there is meaning. Yes, there is purpose. Yes, there is a God who knows and loves us, whom we can know and be in relationship with, and yes, that even death itself is not the end. Because Jesus is alive and resurrection has the last word. You can come to him today. And you can hear him 
call you by name and say, greetings. Amen.